IBW, or the Communication Workers Union, or the Laborers Union. So, we're putting thousands of people to work laying fiber optic cable all across America, and that cable will be made in America, put in by Americans. Even better, a lot of that cable will be made in North Carolina. Two American companies, two American companies, Comscope and Corning, are investing more than $550 million to manufacture fiber optic cable, creating around 650 good-paying jobs in Hickory, North Carolina. A single start. And there are going to be more. Already, 40 percent of all the fiber cable, optic cable in America is being manufactured in Hickory. And no, that number is going to continue to grow. Jobs are going to grow. And when jobs grow, everything grows. Everything grows. Everything in the community grows. All told, during my presidency, we've invested, and I know it's going to sound like not much to you all, but $11 billion in North Carolina. $11 billion in infrastructure, clean energy, everything from high-speed internet to clean water, new roads and bridges. For example, we're investing $1 billion, $1 billion, in a new rail line connecting Raleigh and Richmond, Virginia. Not only creating a whole hell of a lot of jobs, but it's going to take a lot of vehicles off the road. It's going to help with pollution. And guess what? It's going to cut the time. Well, let me give you an idea. Right now, the trip takes about three hours by train. With the new rail line, it's going to take you two hours. Think what that would mean to people traveling to work and visiting families. Think what it means in a reduction of highway bills. We're also investing $110 million to replace the Alligator River Bridge. Look, that bridge is a major hurricane evacuation route for the Outer Banks. So it's high time to get replaced because it's in trouble. The bridge now is far too low for boat traffic, which means cars have to stop and wait, sometimes several times a day, for the bridge to swing open so boats can pass underneath. Because the bridge mechanism is 60 years old, sometimes when it swings open, it can't close, which stops cars in traffic for hours and sometimes days. Now we're building a new higher bridge that boats can easily pass under. It will be wider and more accessible to more cars to travel across every single day, saving time and saving money. Folks, what we're doing here in North Carolina is just one piece of a much bigger story. To date, 400, excuse me, 40,000 infrastructure projects have been announced across this nation. Since I've been to office, we've created 14 million new jobs. 440 new jobs in North Carolina alone just since I came back. That's because of this guy right here. Nearly 800,000 manufacturing jobs nationwide. Unemployment has been below 4 percent for the longest stretch in American history in the last 50 years. And here in North Carolina, unemployment is even lower. It's 3.5 percent. And the stats coming out today show that seeking unemployment insurance has even gone down. Fewer people are needing the help. That's lower than it was in every single month under the last president. Wages are up. Household wealth is up, not only for middle-class Americans, for Latinos, for black Americans, for minorities. Costs are still too high, but inflation continues to fall.
and mortgage rates are falling, they're going to fall more. Last week, we learned that America filed 16 million, 16 million in America, 16 million new applications for businesses, for a new business since I became president. Folks, that's a record. Every single one of those new small businesses is an act of hope, an act of hope. It generates progress. People are beginning to have, and if you look at the consumer confidence, it's way up. 64%, I think, maybe 62% Americans think their personal circumstance is good and it's getting better. Meanwhile, thanks to the Invest in America agenda, private companies have invested over $640 billion, let me say it again, $640 billion in advanced manufacturing here in America. And by the way, you know, we invented that little computer chip, which everything from your cell phone to your automobile needs. Guess what? We used to control it. We got down to the part we hardly manufactured any of it. And so what happened when things went bad, we didn't have access to all those computer chips that were being made in Asia and other parts of the world. So I got in the plane and went to South Korea. And I said, why don't you come invest in America? One thing led to another. Over $50 billion, people coming to America, investing and building these computer chip factories. And guess what? It's just getting started. But guess what? The fact is that these computer factories, they build what they call fabs. They're about as big as a football field, and they manufacture these chips. You don't need a college degree to work in it. You know what the average starting salary is? $116,000. $116,000. And look, put it all together. America has, this is a fact, the strongest growth rate of any and the lowest inflation rate of any major economy in the world. In the world. We have a lot more work to do. There's no question our plan of investing in America and the American people is working. It's all part of my economic vision. Building an economy from the middle out, from the middle class out, and the bottom up. That way, the poor have a shot, middle class does well, and wealthy still do well. Well, they got to start paying their taxes. Yeah. You know, I'm serious. I, I don't mean paying 60 percent. I mean just paying the top rate of 38 percent. Look, folks, you know how many billionaires we have in America today? 1,000. You know what their average rate, tax rate, federal tax rate is? I should walk away from this. <laughs> federal tax rate is 8.5%. Raise your hand if you trade your tax rate for 8.5%. I mean, serious, think about this. There'd be $40 billion raised if they just paid 38%, if they even paid 25%. Yeah. Folks, look, we all do well when the middle class does well and we grow. Everybody does well. You know, I'm so tired I, of trickle-down economics. I grew up in a family where not a lot trickled down on my dad's kitchen table. My dad was a hard-working guy. We weren't poor, but we lived in a three-bedroom split-level home with four kids and a grandpa. And, you know, we were fine. It was okay. But there wasn't anything left over. There was nothing left over. But now, a lot of middle-class folks are having enough leftovers. They can do things. Our approach is a fundamental break from trickle-down economics, supercharged by my predecessor. 
My predecessor, everything was trickled down, but not a lot trickled. <laughs> and I'm serious. Which tax cuts for the wealthy and big corporations, shipping goods overseas. How many people do you know in this state and other states? There was a factory in town that employed 300, 400 people. And all of a sudden, you found that factory shipped overseas. Why was it shipped overseas? Cheaper labor costs. So we were shipping factories overseas and importing the product they made here. Well, guess what? We're doing the opposite. We're making it here and shipping the product overseas. I'm serious. And also, that trickle-down shrank public investment in education, infrastructure and education, have hollowed out communities, closing factories, leaving too many behind. And now, my predecessors like to say, America is a failing nation. In my face, bless me, Father, for his sin. I mean, come on. <laughs> a failing nation. And by the way, did you hear he wants to see the stock market crash? Because he does not want now. We're doing well. He acknowledges by that we're doing pretty damn well economically and getting better. He wants to see the stock market crash. You know why? He doesn't want to be the next Herbert Hoover. As I told him, he's already Hoover. He's the only president to be president for four years and lose jobs, not gain any jobs. Come on, man. You know, some of the things he said, well, I don't get started. <laughs> but look, frankly, to put it very politely, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Meanwhile, the vast majority of Republicans in Congress voted against our infrastructure law. We got enough to make it work of 30-some, but the vast majority voted against it. They all voted against all the other bills that I have. I mean, 100 percent voted against. And guess what? Whether it's Marjorie Taylor Greene or whoever, they're out when these new projects come, they're, 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 they're welcoming them to their state. They voted against it all. So I told them I'll be there for the groundbreaking with them. You know, look, what was mentioned as well, look what we — I fought my whole career. I've been around — I know I don't look it, but I've been around for a little while. But all kidding aside, look, uh, you know, I spent the bulk of my career as a senator trying to bring down the cost of prescription drugs. If you have a prescription from your doc and you take it to a pharmacy here in North Carolina or Wilmington, Delaware, where I'm from, or wherever, guess what? I can take that same prescription from you and go to Toronto, Canada, London, England, Rome, and Italy, anywhere around the world and it'll be somewhere between 50 percent less and 70 percent less. How does that work? Why? Why is it in America you're paying — we're paying $400 a month for insulin if you have diabetes, and, and, and other places are paying 35 bucks? Well, guess what? You're paying 35 bucks now, and it's going to go down even further. And by the way, at $35, they're making 350 percent gain. It costs 15 — it costs 10 bucks to make it, 12 bucks to package it. So come on, man. It's about time we start to be a little fair to ordinary people. When it comes to voting against infrastructure law, it doesn't stop many of our Republicans calling up and saying, we need a project in my district. Now, what I haven't done is I haven't blocked projects in their districts because they're all Americans. The fact they have a, a senator or a congressman doesn't know what they're doing doesn't mean they should be denied. 
But it's okay. It's okay because I promised to be a president for all Americans. And I mean that sincerely. It's not hyperbole. I promised to be a president for all Americans. Like I said before, I told them all, I'll see them at the groundbreaking. But let me close with this. When you see shovels in the ground, cranes in the sky, and people hard at work in these projects, I hope you feel pride in America. Pride in America. Pride knowing we can get big things done when we work together. You're all the real heroes. That's not hyperbole. You're the real heroes in this story. American workers, the American people, neighbors and community leaders doing the work to bring our cities into the future. That's what America does. That's why I've never been, and I mean this, and I've been saying this for a while, and the press has to, the press has to cover me everywhere. I've been saying I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. I've been, I've been around for a while. I've never been more optimistic about America's prospects than I am in the last three years. I really mean it. Because there's nothing, 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 nothing. We have to remember who we are. We're the United States of America. And nothing is beyond our capacity when we work together. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And I'll say one last thing. We're the only major company in the world that's come out of every crisis stronger than we went in. And that's what we're doing again today because of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. May God bless you all. May God protect our troops. Thank you very much. Let's go get them. Thank you. Thank you.